Hi there, and welcome back to the Energy Sector Heroes podcast. My name is Michelle Fraser, and every week I will speak with incredible people who share their lessons, experiences, and stories from their time spent in the energy sector. Hi there, and welcome back again to this week's episode. If you're new to the show, then please take a second to subscribe and even consider sharing the show with just one other person. This week, I am joined by Emmy Rice-Oxley. Emmy is an incredible board member at Hibiscus Petroleum. Emmy, would you like to introduce yourself, please? Yes, thanks, Michelle. And, and thank you for the opportunity to be part of your podcast. My name is Emmy Rice-Oxley, and I am a wife and mother of two adult children. I have 35 years experience in the oil and gas industry, initially with Shell for 25 years and then Petronas in the last 10 years. And I had the privilege to work on exploration opportunities in many parts of the world, initially in technical roles and progressively in leadership roles. I started my career as a specialist in biostratigraphy and last April, I retired from Petronas, where my last position was the Vice President of Global Exploration. So how did you get started off in the energy sector? Wow, yes, I I, I would say serendipity. I had this childhood ambition of becoming a doctor, but when I finished high school, Petronas offered me a scholarship to continue my studies in the US. The catch, however, was that I had to choose energy-related subjects and not medicine. And, you know, after discussing a few options, we landed on geology. And off I went to the U.S. Childhood dream went out the window, and the rest is history. And, and doing geology, really, was the first step towards my entry into the energy industry. What's interesting, though, Michelle, uh, when I graduated, it was during the low oil price, and Petronas was a bit slow in taking in their scholars. So I went for an interview with Shell and I got hired to do biostratigraphy. And after 25 years with Shell, I was back in Petronas. Wow, that, that's an incredible journey. I was going to ask you, do you think your studies has helped you in your career? And do you ever regret not following your dream in becoming a doctor, you don't need to answer that if you don't want to. Oh, oh no, I, I don't mind. Right. You know, I, I'm, I'm so glad that I did geology because I realized that it, much later, of course, uh, I realized how lucky I was because medicine wasn't truly my ambition. I was merely uh, trying to live my dad's dream. So geology was something that I found really exciting. Uh, it, it's a science that I, I, I realize you need to apply a lot of, of, of the, the science subjects, you know, biology, chemistry, physics. And one cool thing about geology is that it has this element of time uh, in millions of years. So, yes, I, I'm very glad that I, I did it. And it helped me in my career, of course, because that's the basic, the foundation, your, your fundamental skills that you bring to work. And, of course, with the training that you, that, that you get at work, and in my case, a one year of specialist training in biostratigraphy, that really helped. What you studied at university is just a foundation for you to, to get started, really. Yeah, I agree. Do you feel that after you complete your studies that your career 
really just starts after when you first get your first job. Because when I talk to a lot of different people on my podcast, they always say that their studies is just a foundation, a basic foundation. Yes, it is. I, I do agree with that. It's it's the basic foundation. There's a lot of things that you learn at work that you didn't at at uh, when when you were studying. It just builds on what you've learned. I would say it strengthens, it augments it with with the the, the training, but also the experiences that you gain through the projects that you do at work, the exposure that you get, and and the 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 what you learn from your peers and your colleagues that really help. I would say. It's just the foundation. And what's interesting is you have to be good at your foundation, of course, because that gives you the confidence to continue to build on, on your skills. And with that confidence, you will continue to contribute. And, and you know, it has a knock-on effect on that as well. Excellent. Excellent advice. Thank you. Who was your role model during your career? And what did you find them in- inspirational? Role models. I, I you know... I had a lot of uh, role models that I, I really look up to when when I was uh, when I was working. Uh, hang on, I think we'll need to start that one again. What yeah. Talking about yeah, your role models. Who did you find inspirational? I had several role models because because I look up to different people at different stages of my career, or as I evolved as a professional and individual. I would say in the early days when I was focused on honing my technical skills, my role models were technical experts, technical leaders, leaders in, in various areas of geology or geophysics who I saw as the masters of their craft. And I, and I put them on my imaginary pedestals because of their excellent technical knowledge, experience and skills. They inspired me to focus on my technical competencies and instilled in me the belief, which I carried throughout my career, that a strong foundation, DNG foundation, is necessary, irrespective of your leadership position, because the decisions we make in this business will always involve a large component of the technical aspects of GNG. And as my roles and my responsibilities grew, I began to um, admire people who demonstrated strong leadership skills and work ethic. And so my role models were not just leaders who had, you know, solid understanding of the business, who communicated with purpose and clarity, but those who had genuine interest in people. And they didn't just talk about it, but actively supported or made time to support and develop others. And they created a work environment where talents regardless of age, gender, background, felt safe to speak up and thrive and, and grow with the organization. These, these were or are my role models, and they inspired me to become the best version of myself. Yeah, thank you. That was really an inspirational message. What is the most challenging thing about your role, and how do you handle it? Right, so I'll talk about my previous roles, because I left Petronas in April last year. So I'll talk about my previous role in Petronas since that was the latest. And and I'll share two two key challenges, I would say. The first was how to continue to deliver profitable and sustainable returns from exploration investment. And the second, which became more prominent in the last few years, was how to keep explorers motivated. 
against the, the headwinds that we faced as an industry. Exploration in Petronas was tasked to find significant new resources every year to replenish upstream's annual production, and, and, and that was a big challenge. We needed strategic discipline and organizational ability to be able to do that. We had to be focused and disciplined in all our growth-seeking activities, our execution uh, activities. It, it required strengthening our culture, capability, and our organizational setup. And it was really a transformation at, at all levels, you know, from the way we manage and use our data, how we collaborate to leverage on tools and technology, our capability development, as well as decision-making process. And, and that's a lot of things, many, many things, which at times were really exhausting at all levels, right? But we had a shared goal for continued progress, and that helped us through our journey. And on top of that was the challenge to keep motivating our geoscientists, especially in the last few years when the future of the industry seemed uncertain. Thankfully, we remained focused on exploration and continued with our activities, which, which helped to address some of the anxiety and conversations on the company's strategy and pace of energy transition also helped. But, you know, I don't think, however... These challenges have been resolved completely. And in fact, I believe this is an ongoing challenge for many organizations. That's, those are two examples of uh, the challenges that I faced. I agree. Do you think that sustainability for any organization, sustainability is going to be huge for the future? Oh, oh absolutely. It's, it's not only because it is the right thing to do, but it is also expected uh, of the industry, of any organization. It's what the investors want, but it's also the thing that we need to focus on in order to be able to bring cleaner and affordable energy to, 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 to the world. I agree. Thank you. How does your current role compare to your aspirations as a young girl? Um, I, I think where I am today, I've, I've done and achieved things that I, I never even expected. And, and, and for that, I'm, I'm, I'm truly grateful. And I've, I've reached a stage now where, you know, like I said, I, I, I left Petronas. I retired in April last year. And uh, I think I've achieved enough. So it's a question. I mean, for me, uh, I'm satisfied. So it's a question of what next. And it was interesting. So, you know, I wanted a six-month break after I left Petronas before, before deciding on what I wanted to do next as I received um, several job offers before and after the news of my retirement became, became known. But I, and I have to say, I truly enjoyed the time that I had to myself. It was liberating not to worry about work. I mean, having worked 35 years and, and some friends even commented that my smiles now look different compared to before. So I, I guess it's, it's, it's a genuine enjoyment of not working, right? But it was during this six-month break that I, that I realized that I no longer wish to work full-time. But I do wish to continue to contribute to make a difference where I can with the 35 years that I've, I've, I have. So I mentor women leaders and serve on boards. I decide how much I want to allocate for, uh, time for myself for board roles and mentoring. And, and I'm pleased to say where I am today, after having achieved all that I've done, 
Then I, I have a nice portfolio of activities at the moment. And so this is what I, I, I hope to continue to do to, to make a difference. That's what I was going to ask you. Is there anything that you still want to achieve in your career, even though that you've retired? And, and I guess that's what I said, because I'm just so grateful for, for what I have achieved. You know, the, the opportunities that were given to me. Never in my wildest dreams did I expect to, to be the vice president of exploration, for example, or to be able to, to contribute to diversity, equity and inclusion beyond Petronas. So that's something that I'm really proud of. So what I would like to do now is, is to continue to make a difference where I can, no matter how small, through my board role and, and mentoring. I serve on the board of Hibiscus Petroleum, an ENP company. And I hope to also serve on a, on a board of a, another energy-related company uh, soon. Hence, I hope to be able to continue to be part of the industry that brings energy and power to people in, in a sustainable manner. And through mentoring, I hope to contribute to the leadership journeys of the wonderful young leaders that I have the privilege to mentor and hopefully be able to support women to get more women on the board, you know, beyond 30%. That, that's really what I, I hope to be able to do uh, over the next few years. That's an important message because there, there is not a lot of females on board levels. Do you think that that, no, absolutely. Would, do you think that, that would change? Absolutely. The trend, there is a trend. Uh, you, you'll see more, more women in, in board roles now than compared to year, previous years uh, in the past. But, you know, how fast are, are we able to get women on the board? I think that's still a challenge that we, we are facing. And I'm part of the 30% club, which is really industry-led or company-led effort to get more women on the board and more women on, on C-suites. There are challenges. Some are perhaps perceptions but also some are related to the, um, the ability to access these opportunities for women. But, but I think that will change. In Malaysia, for example, women make up about, well, in Malaysia, on public listed companies, women, they are about close to uh, 28% or so women on the board now. We're trying to get to 30% and beyond. No, that's an amazing. That's an amazing message. I think. It, I think it will change. It's slowly changing for women to have leadership roles in the energy sector. It's slowly changing. I think yeah. as well. In your opinion, what makes an outstanding hire? If you were going to hire anybody, what do you look for? Oh, outstanding hire. For me, I would say I would think about. I'll consider three things that would make them stand out. First is, of course, the, the fundamental skills. And, and I mentioned this, the importance of that as well earlier. Whether you are a fresh graduate or a senior hire, uh, it can be the core academics for graduates or, or technical knowledge, experience and skills for senior hires. I always believe in having a strong foundation in our core skills or competencies, whatever they may be because they are the building blocks we need to build confidence and also to, to contribute. The second, I would say, is critical thinking, which to me is the, um, the ability to analyze, to objectively analyze and evaluate information and ideas in order to form well-reasoned judgments and, and, and make sound decisions. Critical thinking helps to to remove biases, for example, and <laughs> we know how that can affect our decision. And, and also, 
allow for more diverse ideas and creative solutions to help address the many problems that we face today. And I believe it's it's a skill that is not solely dependent on one's experience. So a graduate with no working experience can also demonstrate this ability. And lastly, I would say leadership, leadership skills, which which is not only about, you know, your formal titles or positions of authority. For me, leadership, it's about the ability to influence, to, to inspire and to motivate others to achieve a common goal. So, you know, I think those who can demonstrate these qualities can, can make for an outstanding hire. No, that's a really good advice. Thank you. Have you ever encountered any career disasters and how did you handle them? Career disasters. You know, when, when I look at the past, I, I can't say that I had career disasters in a sense. Well, because I see disasters as either harmful to me, the people around me or, or, or the company. So, so in that respect, I, uh, in that respect, I, I cannot recall any, but, but I had many valuable learning opportunities. Uh, I would say, instead of disasters, that helped me grow and improve, um, whether it's learning from my own experience or what I heard in passing. And one that comes to mind from these learning opportunities, yeah, not disaster, but learning opportunities is, is to lead with purpose and communicate the purpose clearly. Now, I found purpose, uh, purpose helped me stay focused and stay strong. To, to overcome any challenges that I faced along the way. At the same time, it also helped me to get others on board. And this was obvious. This, this was the learning opportunity. When I tried to change a particular process and I talked about you know, how good the process was and why we need to do this and why it's going to be better than what we're doing, well, that really didn't help much. But when I talked about the purpose behind the process, how it would help us achieve our bigger goals, fulfill the, the, the vision that we have for exploration. All of a sudden, you see, people came on board. I was, I was no longer the lonely voice talking, uh, trying to, to change, uh, to make the change. So what I learned was that purpose helped me to connect not just the, 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 the mind, the head, but also the heart's in order to get things done. So that that was a, more of a learning opportunity rather than disaster. Okay, interesting, thank you. Is there any part of your working week that you most look forward to? Well, not anymore, right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm just, like I said, I'm just so happy that I don't have to go to work. I, I felt so, so, so liberated because, you know, having worked for 35 years, but, you know, every day for me when I was working was, was something to really look forward to. It was only, you know, that one, I would say, a period of time where it was not fun for me to go to work. I would consider that as, as my most challenging days, you know. And I'll share that if you're interested. Yeah, please, actually. Yeah, so so I, you know, like I said, I've always enjoyed what I was doing. I, I enjoy going to work and, and every day, regardless of the challenge, was something that I really look forward to. But, you know, I had my challenging days and it was in, um, in 2014, I was diagnosed with stage three colon cancer. Oh my goodness. It was the same time when I was appointed as the vice president of exploration for Malaysia. 
And the company just completed a, a major restructuring in upstream where exploration was split into two teams, uh, domestic and international exploration. And you can imagine, because it was just completed, many things had yet to be resolved and put into place to, to implement such a big change. And it was a time, I thought, where clear direction and strong leadership was, was most needed. And because of that, we had this strong desire to get the team through the period of uncertainty to, to make a difference, which has always been my purpose. But to the point that I didn't even take time out during my chemotherapy. Now, it's not something I would recommend to anyone. And other than my immediate office, no one else at work knew I was going through chemotherapy. So, you know, it wasn't easy physically and mentally, especially towards the later part of the treatment when, when I became really weak from the chemo drugs. And to me, those were really the most challenging times uh, for me to, to go to work. I mean, even waking up in the morning was difficult, but I was extremely blessed to, to have my family's love to support my decision. And they kept me lifted during that time. And I was able to lead the team, the team through the, uh, the, the, the restructuring. Yep. That's, that's amazing. I hope you're okay now, actually. Oh, I am. Thank you so much. I am. Firstly, I'm very sorry to hear about your, about that situation, the, the, oh my goodness. Yes. I'm, yeah. I'm quite sorry to hear about that particular time in your life. Yeah. That must have been really hard to. It was. It must have been really yeah. hard. Yes. It must have been to even just whilst going through your treatment to even think about work. Yes. And, and, and I guess I, it, it made me stronger. But it also uh, made me realize that, you know, it made me realize what my purpose was. It, it was really to, to make a difference. I was hired into Petronas to make a difference. And, and I stayed true to that belief and really thought that I, I had a lot to contribute. But I also had the energy and the support to be able to do that. And it was rewarding. Yes. And, and you know, at that time, it was hard. I wasn't able to talk about it until two years after that experience. That must be hard in itself, though. Yeah. I was going to ask you, what is the biggest difference that you think that you've made within your role, any role, whether it's uh, Petronas or Shell or your current role? What's the biggest difference that you've made? You know, when I when I reflect back on on Petronas, and again, because you know that's that's the recent uh, experience, right? Yeah. The biggest difference, I would say, is you know one that I could be proud of was the the transformation that I achieved in in Petronas exploration. It's about you know having a a, a strategy to 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 deliver sustainable and profitable return on exploration investment to be able to grow. Uh, internationally to, to areas that we've never been before in the Americas, for example. And, and with that came, you know, uh, expansion of our portfolio and also uh, successful, um, and discoveries. And, and I believe these, these are great achievements. Uh, the difference that I made, the achievements that any exploration leader would be proud of. However, as much as I led the strategic thinking and drove the transformation achievements, the successes are not mine alone to celebrate. You know, it involved the whole organization to make it happen. So, whilst these are great achievements that I'm proud of, 
but I think that I feel my truly, truly greatest achievements or the differences you, you call it are the ones that affect people the most or the ones they will remember the most. For example, you know, I'm, I'm proudest because I believe I've made a difference. I'm happiest and proudest when, when someone tells me that they achieve something or change for the better, no matter how small, because of what I did or said, which influenced and affected them in their personal lives and, and, and career. And there were many little moments like that that I can wrap up together and consider are my greatest achievements or, or, or difference that I made uh, in, in the organization. Maybe just to share, you know, an example. When I get a text message from someone who used to work with me, simply to thank me as the source of his inspiration that changed his beliefs and motivation, or when someone who worked at a remote offshore location who, who I've never met before, wrote to me about his renewed motivation to get a certification for his competency merely from watching a video where I shared my purpose and determination to make a difference. I mean, those, those are examples where I thought, yes, I've made a difference. So I think those, those are things that I, I, I'm proud of, making a difference or, or creating change that is lasting, whether to the organization or individuals in the organization. So I think those are yeah, the difference that I, 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 I believe that I've, I've contributed. But it must be amazing when people text you or even just come up, come up and say to you, thank you for making a difference in my career. It must be an amazing feeling to, for, some, for people to do that. Oh, yes, it is. And I think that's, that's the biggest reward. Yeah, so, so those are the kind of things that I, I really look back towards with, with, you know, with, with joy and something that I'm really proud of. And not only in their development, but also in creating the difference where diversity and inclusion is becoming more of the, the norm uh, in the organization to, to lead the efforts to, to, to be able to do that through uh, the Petronas Leading Women's Network was, was also something that I'm really proud of. That's, a good, that's, that's quite a good initiative to have, though, to be part of. Oh, yeah. And it was interesting, when we started Petronas Leading Women's Network, that was back in 2015, and I was asked to be the champion to, to lead that effort, which was really a reflection of the company's belief in diversity and the, in, the, in the diversity of leadership thinking, and also in the diversity of having more women in leadership position. That, that was the intent. But when we had the Petronas Leading Women's Network, you know, it was just the intent. There was really no clear blueprint or, or or playbook as to what we needed to do to be able to do that. What exactly was it that we were supposed to do? And it was a journey of discovery for myself and also the the, the colleagues and peers who actually supported that that aspiration. And you know, fewer. You know, fast forward to where where Petronas is today. Diversity and inclusion is 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 part of the the company's uh, focus. It's, it's important. It's a, it's a business imperative. So to be able to go through that, to make that something that is important to your organization is, is really a wonderful, wonderful thing to do. No, it is. It sounds an amazing initiative. You were saying that when you were working on the women's initiative, that you were able to discover a lot about yourself. What is the biggest discovery that you, that you find? 
<laughs> that's that's an interesting one. You know, prior prior to leading that effort, I I was I was I've I've never um really looked at uh, or really appreciated the challenges that women face at the workplace. When I was in Shell, it was, you know, just, you know, guts and grit, you know, work hard, you'll get rewarded and, and all that. And, and I never experienced, you know, any, any form of, you know, gender discrimination. But then I, I, just because I didn't doesn't mean that others don't face those challenges, right? So it was only when I took on that role to lead that effort that I started to, to appreciate the challenges by talking to women in, in, in the organization and also women outside uh, the organization to be able to understand the challenges and, and to realize the, the biases that are prevalent at the workplace, biases that hamper women from progressing even without realizing it, uh, and biases that not only that men have not not only men have on women, but women have against other women. So to be able to to realize that, to 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 appreciate that, and be in a position to do something about it was was something that was really I would say very valuable for me no, because I didn't I didn't appreciate it before. I, I wasn't involved. I wasn't bothered. But that made me realize and made me appreciate, and hence made me an advocate for gender diversity at the workplace. What do you think is the biggest challenge that women face within the workplace and how can they overcome it? That's, uh, you know, many challenges, of course, but one that we can do something about at the workplace is bias, gender biases, because that, you know, when we talk about biases, it's it's kind of, it's rather difficult but because sometimes you can't really see it. It's not in your face. It is It is subtle. And when you don't see it, how can you address it? But it comes in many forms. It's the way we perceive uh, women, uh, whether, you know, the, the perception that this is based on studies, but also on surveys that we've done. There is a perception that uh, men are technically, technically better than women or men are more ambitious than women and men make better leaders than women. So this kind of perception gets translated into the way women are perceived, women are praised, women are uh, rewarded in their performance, and also in the way opportunities are, are, are given to them. And in the long run, it can hamper their their development, their progress. That, that's just one example. And one of the things that we did in Petronas was one of the, you know, we, we focus on a, a, a few key themes to address some of these issues. One was the creating awareness on gender bias. Sometimes the choice of words we use, you know, unconsciously can lead to bias and can hamper women in their progress. Something as simple as that. Okay. No, so we, we, we focus on creating awareness on gender bias. Okay. No, thank you. That was an, that's amazing advice. So what keeps you motivated when things get tough? Oh, what keeps me motivated? Purpose for me, purpose that that really helped, and and my purpose really was was uh, is to make a difference to the lives of the people around me, and it was something that I realized as I went through my 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 experience with with my chemotherapy. You know, being committed to to be at work regardless of what what I was going through. That commitment because to to make a difference. The commitment to to make a difference to the expor to exploration the strategy that we put in despite all the challenges so 
purpose really is what motivates me. And another, I would say, is my family, especially, especially when things get tough at work. Yeah. And, and during, during that, that, that the period where I was going through treatment, I mean, without my family, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to survive, I would say. And also, you know, simple hug from my family would do wonders for me. And I remember when my, when my children were little, I used to get long hugs from them, you know, at least to the count of 10 Mississippis. And they would, there was such a boost, you know, like a, like a charger physically and emotionally and, and helped me through tough times and, and kept, kept me motivated. And I have to say today, I'm, I'm very happy to share that I still get my, my 10 Mississippi hugs from my adult children and they still uh, have the same magic. So family and purpose keeps me motivated. No, that's a really good message. Family is really important. It's very important to me as well, actually. Who do you depend on in your working environment or any or just anybody? Who do you depend on the most? Mm. Who do I depend on? So I depend on a lot of people at work, different people at different stages of my career, and, and also because of my different roles. For decision-making, for example, I depend on many colleagues as my decision sounding board, my venture leads, my portfolio and business plan manager, my finance, wealth and development manager, my legal colleagues, my peers in the asset teams, of course, my HR friends. And I also have peers that I can talk to and, and, and seek advice Essentially, I have a huge support system at work. When I was I was in Shell, when I was in Petronas, and and I've, I'm really blessed to to have people around me who are willing and able to give me open and honest feedback. The, these are the people that I would depend more because their intention is is really not to criticize, but but help me be better. And I am better because of them people who are willing to be open and honest and, and, and give me those feedback. Do you think having someone that's going to give you open and honest feedback is really crucial, though? It is. I mean, without a doubt, because um, their intention, like I said, is to help you improve. And if they see things that, you know, that could help you, that could strengthen your position, that could strengthen your skills and your way of thinking, uh, open your own way of thinking, I think, that that would be best, but it's not. It's not often that you you find people who are willing to to give you the hard truth, you know. And so you need to have a relationship, uh, a trust, where this is really the intention. And I always believe in intention. It's it's really the intention that makes a difference. What? Why do you give those feedback? If you gave feedback that really doesn't help, but it sounds good, then you know it's not really helpful. But you need to have a a, a relationship based on trust where you seek and you give feedback openly. And and it works both ways, eh? Yeah, it does. What is the most valuable piece of advice or feedback that you've had that you've always kept with you? It's quite big. I I had one. Yes. um, One that really, you know, I always remember that. I was going through, I was going, I was going through a project. I was going, I was doing a project where I wasn't really clear on the TOR of the project. I really wasn't clear what I was supposed to do. And I was really nervous when I was able to deliver what was expected of me. And I had to fly all the way from, from Houston to, to, to Kuala Lumpur to be able to do that. 
And I was all nervous, right, before before departing. And and the advice that I got from from this wonderful friend was that he said, you know, don't worry, everything will work out fine. And true enough, on the last day, or you know, before before the final presentation and all that, everything worked out well. So I think that's really good advice, actually. Because usually, even when we do worry, everything usually does turn out for the best. And and also it's not going to make much difference, right? So you just have to carry on and, and, and do the best that you can because sometimes it's out of your control. Yeah, that's amazing advice, actually. Thank you. One final question. If you could turn back time, would you change anything? Hmm. If I could turn back time, there's really nothing in the past that I wish to change. And this is, this is not to say that I'm arrogantly pleased with myself or considered everything is perfect, on the contrary. But I believe who I am today and the people I have around me is the result of what happened in the past. We all come to be or came to be because of the great things and the not so great things and everything in between that happened. And I would not trade what I have now for anything because because I'm extremely grateful for it now. I'm, I'm absolutely okay with the past. You know, cancer and all, for me, it's always onwards and, and, and upwards. Thank you. So that's all the questions I have today. I would like to thank Emily for your time. That brings us to the end of another episode. Thanks for listening and see you next week. Thank you, Michelle. That brings us to the end of another episode. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, I'd like to gently encourage you to leave a five-star rating wherever you listen to podcasts and share the show with another person. You can also follow me on LinkedIn or via my website, www.michellefraserconsultancy.com. Thanks again for listening and see you next week.